Hello to all you collective listeners. On today's episode, we have Mike Niklos. He was a fantastic guest. I really enjoyed speaking with him, especially about his experience with his pro day and then how he translated that into his work in the private sector. And then talking about his experience in the private sector, how it's helped him to be a better coach on the art of coaching side. I thought it was a really great conversation and it kind of opened up my eyes to what it means to be a collegiate strength coach versus a private sector strength coach. I thought overall it was just a great conversation and I think y'all really enjoy. What's going on, collective listeners? On today's episode of the Samson Strength Coach Collective, we have Mike Niklos. Okay, Mike is coming to us. He's working for Acceleration Pro right now. A lot of previous experience um, playing football, working at Robert Morris as well. So I thought Mike would be a fantastic guest to bring on. Was nominated in the uh, Discord as well too. So I know a lot of you listeners want to hear Mike come on. Thank you, Mike, for coming on the episode. Oh, absolutely! I'm super excited to be here and excited to talk some shop. Oh, absolutely. We've, we've already been talking a little bit. You know, I, sh- I should hit record because yeah, right. uh, Mike's awesome. We've already got rolling on the podcast. So, uh, well, Mike, can you kind of just give us a rundown of uh, your career in strength and conditioning so far, uh, what your history has been, and then what you're up to now? Yeah, so um, I've been around since about 2007, 2008. Um, started out as an athlete, um, like most of us. Um, got super, super lucky. I was actually a, a, I was starting out as a double major in software and manufacturing engineering. Um, and then suffered a couple of injuries and a guy named Tom Mislinski, um, usually goes by Milo, um, ended up uh, being one of our strength coaches, um, ended up kind of starting to realize that, you know, it's a, it's a real position, full-time job, strength and conditioning, all that stuff. So, um, started kind of, you know, hanging out in the weight room for a little bit, uh, realizing that, you know, that it was actually the profession that, you know, I really wanted to get into just cause you know, I, I love training, wanted to be around athletes. Um, and so kind of switched my majors, moved on. Um, you know, I always say I did my, my first internship with him just because I want to leave the weight room. Um, so I'd, I'd train there, then I'd just hang out the rest of the time there. Um, he left to go out um, to with uh, Buddy Morris of the Browns. Um, Todd Hammer came in, um, finished off my last year with him. Um, at that time, went to, to go try to play pro. Um, did that for a little bit. Uh, ended up coming back at the same time. My older brother opened up Acceleration um, up in Chicago. Um, so I did an internship with him and then wanted to go back to the collegiate side. So went back out to Robert Morris in Pittsburgh. Um, so did another four or five months internship with him um, out there. Um, then ended up getting hired uh, as an intern up at Northern Illinois with um, Coach Klein, um, Eric Klein, who I believe now is at New Mexico. Um, at that time, once the internship finished, um, had an awesome opportunity to, to go into the private sector with my older brother. Um, so it was kind of a no questions. Um, that was probably about, oh, good Lord, probably about 2011. Um, so I've been here since. Um, we work with athletes all the way from age eight all the way up to professionals. So it's a, it's a good mix to be between, you know, I, I still get that collegiate feel where I get a lot of college athletes. We were very, very fortunate um, to have a lot of professional athletes that come through our doors. Um, that have literally still been with me since, you know, back in 2011. We still have a couple of pros that are still there. Um, but, yeah, it's an awesome mix that, you know, I get to work with, you know, kids, you know, super early, start to kind of lay a foundation, but still get the the challenge of, you know, working with super, super high-level athletes. No, that's, that's fantastic. And I, I didn't know your brother owned the uh, uh, Acceleration. Yeah, he actually, uh, the, the, the funniest part was so my first internship was I was out in California um, actually doing a slight internship, but also training for my, my pro day. And he was demonstrating, a, um, he had just retired from the league and he was demonstrating a, a movement and tears his meniscus. And so he's like, hey, he calls me, still had no idea what he was doing. He's like, hey, good news is I you know, bought into a facility. Bad news is I, I tore my meniscus and I need you out here. Um, so ended up <laughs> took the next flight. I was done with that. Did my pro day out of Ohio State, um, and then drove literally from Ohio State up to here. Um, and I did a, a three month internship where they essentially just paid for my room and board because I got to sleep over at uh, one of the uh, other owners' house. Did that for wow. about three months. Yeah, 
Okay, so was your pro day originally planned for Ohio State, or did you pivot to Ohio State because of this? Yeah, so I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, um, and okay. I went to a small FCS school out in Pittsburgh, so we didn't even have a pro day. Um, so I did my pro day at Ohio State, um, did that, um, and then, yeah, like I said, came up here, um, trained here, worked out here, um, Went probably took the next, uh, good gracious, probably about six, seven months to try to be the, the best athlete, professional athlete I could be. Nothing panned out. So I actually went home to go sell cell phones at Verizon Wireless for about three, four months. And then that's when Hammer gave me a call and said, hey, I need an internship or a guy to help me out before my full-time gets in. Asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah, let's go. That's awesome. And that's, you know, the, 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 we had uh, Najib on last week, his athletic okay. trainer out of FIU. Yeah. And, and he was talking about, you know, that transition period, how it was kind of funky, didn't really know what he wanted to do, and always had that person to kind of push you and say, hey, like like in your case, you, you need he needed an intern, so he brought you on. In his case, or somebody else pushing him to apply over and over again. I mean, what what's that relationship like? Are you, do you still keep in contact with him uh, after getting you back into the field? With my older brother? Or- him. Hammer. hammer, you know what? I talk to him yep. a lot. Um, they're always funny. I'll always laugh, and um, he'll he'll always tell different stories too about how I was a, as an athlete. And we had a, a an interesting relationship. I was always the the work hard guy. I always thought, you know, if I wasn't throwing up, then you know it wasn't a good workout. And so we butted heads mm-hmm. early on. And then when I told him I wanted to be an athlete, or a strength coach, um, you know absolutely willing to bring me on and you know kind of help lay me a, a foundation of just that continued education um and, and really understanding that you know just because that made me a successful athlete might not have a correlation might not have always equal causation um and really kind of set me down that that path of you know wanting to always learn wanting to always grow i think that's something that you know, uh, we, we pride ourselves on here is, you know, that, you know, kind of Buddy Morris, Western Pennsylvania type thought process of, you know, you can always grow as a strength coach. Um, and, and the practitioners now that, you know, were athletes for us, you know, back in the day have seen that growth from, you know, day one to where we're at now. Um, but I talked to Hammer. Hammer, you know, always just give me crap that I went from collegiate side down to the private sector or over to the private <laughs> sector. And, um, he bounced around for a little bit and now he's back in the private sector. So I always oh, say we always goodness. end up, we always somehow end up back in the private sector. <laughs> At some point it all, it all falls yeah. down to the private sector. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's excellent. And you know, you did say Western Pennsylvania. I had to argue with you a little bit. I, I am from, I mean, I went to school in Philly. My family's from okay. Reading, Pennsylvania. So we're kind of rivals on the side of the state it's, there. But It's wild how the Western PA people literally see it as their own state. It's incredible. Well, I mean, it's same for Eastern PA. You know, yeah. they see it as it, it's Philly and New Jersey in that area, yeah. pretty much. So, yeah, it's crazy. Just oh, like when we got there, it's like as an athlete, they're like, you know, talking about you know how well they did. And they're like, yeah, we won the Whitfield. That's basically the state out there. They're like, no one cares about the <laughs> Eastern side. I'm like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Meanwhile, it takes six hours to drive across Pennsylvania. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our whole conference was that side. That drive is eighty is a long, long road. Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. But we can put our differences aside for today. Yeah, right. I, think, I think we can make that work. So, uh, And so your first internship, that was at Robert Morris, correct? Yeah. So my first internship, um, and again, I'll, I'll say it was a, a forced internship where I just hung out with Milo um, and just started um, kind of understanding, you know, how it was more scientifical based than what I thought. You know, I always thought it was just, and I've always you know, again, growing up in Columbus, Ohio, straight West Side guy. Um, all my coaches, former, you know, strength coach, were all West Side guys. Um, you know, and, and never really understood that. You know, there was a method to the madness. I thought it was, you know, just throw stuff at a wall, see what sticks. And you know, if you're not throwing up, it's not good. Um, and he was kind of really the one that you know brought into the idea of how much science and, and again, coming from a, an engineering background, it was. You know, something I, I love science, I love, you know, physics, I love all that stuff. And being able to combine the two was just a match made in heaven for me that, you know, I still get to keep that nerdy side, but, you know, I can go on, throw six, seven plates around and still be a meathead that I, I like being. 
That's awesome. And I feel like that's the typical strength coach kind of homeostatic curve is the workouts need to be super hard. And then you kind of go, okay, well maybe they need to be easier. And then you may say, maybe that was too easy. And you kind of just go along this wave. So, uh, but when you understood that about your workouts and when you spent that time with Milo, do you feel like it kind of changed? I mean, well, obviously it changed your philosophy, but you feel like it changed your work ethic or how you approach your workouts from then on personally? It's weird. Um, and, it's funny you say that. I, I still train like an idiot. Um, <laughs> I would not train my athletes the way I train myself. I'll make you know, and, and I, I did some powerlifting, did all that stuff. Still, you know, strength is you know for me an absolute priority. Um, you know, I'll, I'll make calls on my my lifts that I would never make for an athlete. Um, but I always try to have that balance of you know I'm me do what I say, not what I do. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, that's where understanding, you know, for me, it's, you know, I, I can get hurt and be okay. You know, I can mm-hmm. still go to work. I can still, you know, and, and for me, it, it fills that void of not being an athlete, not being, you know, to, to maybe not always not make the best choices in the weight room. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to that, or, you know, if I'm out there sprinting, eh, maybe not get the warm up that I probably should have. Uh, but I always know, I always know, okay, this, this might, might not be the, the, the smartest decision I've made in my life. Um, but it, it definitely, you know, it gave me a, a different perspective. Um, you know, I think especially when it came to speed development, um, you know, where it, it, you know, we always say, you know, when, when you're looking in the weight room and you're doing something heavy, you always need that break and everything. And I never I, ever correlated that with sprint work. I always just correlated with, if it's harder, it's better. Somehow it's naturally going to make me faster. You know, I'm over there trying to throw up, um, you know, and, and that's where, you you know, the, the conversations of, of, you know, Charlie and Dan Pfaff and, and some of the, you know, older heavy hitters of, you know, sprint development, you know, and, and he did a great job. You know, if I would have a question for him um, instead of answering for me, he'd give me a stack of books to say answers in there. Um, and that kind of, again, opened up my, my uh, ability to, to really start to read and, and kind of um, understand maybe what it was that I did that made me successful as an athlete, but also what probably what hindered me as an athlete. You know, I was always undersized and, you know, it made sense. You know, I, I never allowed my body to recover. I never allowed myself to eat. Eating wasn't a priority for me. It was just, okay, how much more can I train? How much more can I train? It's like, Okay, if I look at, you know, my career, I, I understand that, you know, genetics obviously played a big role in, in, in some of the success that I had. But if I would have made different decisions down the line, you know, I might have had that size that everybody, you know, questioned me for not having. Or, you know, I might have been able to combine that spot, size and speed. And in the reality, I probably could have exposed myself to, to more situations that w- would have made me a better athlete. Mm. And I would have stayed healthy. <laughs> <laughs> staying healthy does help yeah. as well you know but i have i have one of you on my teams right now um you know <laughs> good we, luck i as you're speaking you know and it, but you know again I, when i say it's even i've known you for now it's been what 20 minutes but i can tell you know of your willingness to learn and get better you know this is somebody who i have to kind of have a conversation with on every speed day about we're resting for two minutes after a twenty minute run, uh, twenty meter run, because you need to make sure that you you can have as much energy as possible to run for that next rep. And he's like, I know, but I can get double the work. That, and it's like it's just you know feeding my head into a wall in these conversations. But it's somebody who I also point out, and I'm like, man, you should be a strength coach because of the other conversations that we have and mm-hmm. that desire to push and always get better. And one oh, thing yeah. I do love that you you mentioned too is your uh, is Milo giving you that stack of books and just telling you, hey, the answer's in here. You got to find it. I mean, yeah, because then that also so removes all the framing. It removes everything of, you know, I, I try to, when I speak with my interns, if I don't like a certain system, I try not to say, oh, you know, uh, I, I hate this system. Don't do this. Do what I like. You know, instead, give them both the books, show them both the systems, and then let them pick. Oh, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, every, every program works. Every program doesn't. I mean, it's just the, the context and the environmental structures that you need to create to, to establish what it is you want to do. That's exactly it right there. I mean, we've, the theme has popped up many times on this podcast so far since I've been hosting is the program doesn't really matter. It's all about how you implement it, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's something I always take from my wife. Like whenever I'm, you know, trying to battle with, okay, should I put this movement in or should I put this movement in or, you know, does this have more correlation? And, and she always kind of brings me down to a level. And we were talking earlier, she was a former strength and conditioning coach, now physical therapist. 
And she'll always say, the human body only can move in a certain amount of ways. Um, so don't overthink it. It's the, the timing, the dosage, the volume, the intensity that you want to be more concerned about with the actual movement. And that, to me, always has almost simplified what it is I do with my athletes. And I put more thought into getting the dosage, the volume, the intensity, the timing, um, rather than, oh, my gosh, we need to – this athlete needs to squat. This athlete needs to do Bulgarian split squats. This athlete needs to do this. It's like, all right, I've got – got six months i can calm down when in the time does this actually work oh yeah i i've noticed my programs as i get um further into the field start to get a lot more similar <laughs> you know yeah. Um, yeah, um, right. amongst my different sports and different teams they start to, i usually have the main hitters and i like to stick with those so um yeah. okay so one thing i am very curious about uh is your pro day you know pro days is day where it's like you know the biggest day of an athlete's life it seems like sometimes and everybody kind of forgets that you have a whole lexicon of work and different experiences behind it and it gets to be this hyped up deal but at the same time a lot of scouts really kind of can notice you from your pro day it can really pop out um, and you can really make a statement with your pro day so can you kind of just talk me through your process of training for it? what was the duration of training what was your mentality like during the training and then what was it like actually going through the pro day so yeah so i mean like i said i was a uh small time FCS guy. Um, and it was one of those situations where, um, I got lucky enough. I signed with an agent. They sent me out to, um, California, um, to, to do all my training. Um, and that was, you know, it was, it was really cool because it was the first time I really got exposure to, um, you know, um, a completely different side of what training was. Um, if you kind of look at, you know, my career as an athlete, uh, you know, you had Hammer, you had Milo, um, and prior to that was all kind of the, that Western PA, the West side kind of approach. It was always, you know, uh, heavily um, dosed with, you know, Charlie Francis. Um, so that kind of thought process um, where I went into more of that, if you remember, um, might, might, might be dating myself, but the uh, high intense training that Penn, uh, Penn State used to do, where oh, it yeah. was, you know, <laughs> just essentially max effort, one set of up to 15. Um, we would do two or three sprints and that was it, nothing else. Um, you know, and, and so it was kind of cool to, to take a completely different approach, um, to what my training is. And I, I responded really well to it. Um, I ended up getting up to, you know, um, I think I was, I, I left in December at probably about 175. I got up to about 185. Um, you know, and, and you know, going into the, the pro day felt very comfortable, um, put up some times that, you know, I, I had hoped that, you know, um, had some scouts noticed, um, you know, and, and had some private workouts and everything along the lines, um, you know, fast forward, nothing ever worked out. So, um, I got to, at least got <laughs> to do the pro day, um, which the, it was, I'm incredibly glad that I do it. So we, we do a pro day training here. Um, and, and I think, you know, putting it into more of a, a thousand foot view scope is really understanding. It took me a couple of years to kind of, you know, see it this way. But coming from a small school where I only played around 300, you know, 300 fans, 400 fans. You know, I played more in, uh, when I was in high school than I did in college. Um, understanding that uh, a stress is incredibly specific to the task that we, we, we put upon it. Um, you know, I, I know, you know, everyone talks about mental toughness and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I, as an athlete and incredibly what I thought was mentally tough when it came to the game of football, um, I was a cornerback, you know, if, you know, I, I prided myself on, you know, if the, the, it was fourth and goal, you know, and a fade was coming, you know, I could take care of it. And I was happy to do so. I got excited to do this. So, but I've never been so nervous in my life for a pro day. I mean, I was shaking. I was, I fell out of my first start. Um, you know, I literally just fell down. I was just so nervous. I couldn't get in my start. Um, luckily one of the scouts, um, kind of took me, told me to take a deep breath, um, and, and try to calm me down. Um, you know, and it took a couple of years to really kind of see it in a, like I said, that, that different perspective of, you know, how we kind of define what stress is and, and how we define, you know, what mental toughness is. Um, and it really kind of exposed me to the idea of that, you know, as when we're training our, our combine athletes, we had a, a combine athlete um, that was another small school guy. Um, and we put fans, we put, you know, almost gave him like a little tunnel um, to, to try to essentially scare the crap out of him, to make him nervous, to make it and to really give him 
that exposure of, you know, how he can actually control those stress levels, those hormonal levels um, to kind of bring himself down and, and understand task at hand. Um, and that kind of opens up to, you know, when we look at skill acquisition and, you know, how we actually determine what drills actually have transfer over and not. But you have to look at that thousand foot view of, you know, what are those stressors? What are those things that really um, define the success or the, the lack of success of that athlete? Um, and it was something kind of cool that, you know, I always got to go back to, you know, trying to remember what that day felt like for me and why, not necessarily that I struggled again, I, I still, but going in with the nerves that I did, you know, how I could have done it differently to give me a little bit more prepared for that environment. Um, and it's really kind of laid a platform of, you know, and a foundation of how we kind of look at drill structure, how we kind of look at, you know, how an athlete goes from, you know, just a, a a closed end, you know, um, basic technical, you know, drill all the way up into what a game looks like or a small side of game looks like. So, you know, when you look at that pro day, it's just kind of cool to kind of see the progression that it's allowed me to kind of, as a strength coach, look at. And I don't think I would have been able to get that perspective if I hadn't done that because I never, never got nervous for football games. I never got, you know, uh, scared of a football play or anything like that. But you put me out on a pro day and I had, uh, I, it was awful. Wow. I mean, that's, and that's so interesting too. I mean, on multiple levels, one to talk about, like you said, skill acquisition and understanding the environment is part of the stress as well too. I mean, it's, it took you in a completely different environment, raised the stakes and basically, you know, I mean, like I said, a lot of times it comes, it kind of comes across as this is your shot to go pro or not, you know, yeah. um, and, and people, and that's how it feels in the moment. And people forget that it's, you know, they're like this, like I said, there's a lot more work behind it mm-hmm. that goes into it. But, um, and, and then to also implement that within your training as well too. I feel like, it's got to be extremely beneficial on a couple levels. The first is that you have that experience, and so you can talk to that athlete, and they know you're not you're not BSing them. You yeah. know, um, and, and I mean, and that kind of goes along with every other aspect of being a former college athlete. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you can tell them I've been there before. You know, yeah. and of course, everybody's stories are always worse. You you ran 15 gasters, you ended up running 30 <laughs> somehow. You know, yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, but they can relate to you more on that level. But then, too, to take that experience and really learn from it, and then apply it, I think is one of the biggest steps within a strength and conditioning and, and being better as a strength and conditioning coach mm-hmm. is, okay, I did have this experience, but let, what can I do about it? Yeah. You know, not, not what, like, not just, Oh, I feel you, you know, I was nervous yeah. too, but yeah. okay. So what are we going to do to enhance and improve you? And I feel like that's a really high level way to look at things. And I, I really appreciate that perspective. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it, it's one of those things. And, and, you know, I, I think when I first came out, you know, I think like all of us, we always want to talk about our, our career as an athlete and we feel, you know, and, and it absolutely helped us, you know, both my older brother, myself having a, a football career, you know, bringing athletes in and everything. But it's funny now that I'm a little bit older, I don't talk about it too much. I don't bring up, you know, when I played or anything like that. And when someone talks to me about it, they're like, oh, you understand you play football. And I said, the only thing I understand is what you're going through. I don't, the, the, the only reason that me being an athlete ever has really helped me is I understand what you're going through. You know, I understand, you know, the stresses that you're going to go through, you know, on a, on a daily basis, whether it be college or high school, I understand, you know, the emotional rise. I also understand, you know, what it's like to be an athlete. Um, but other than that, you know, it's really difficult to say, because I'm an athlete, I know how to work with athletes. Um, and I think that's kind of where that, you know, it goes back to, to, you know, trying to take my experiences and observe from that thousand foot perspective and say, okay, because I went through this, is that something that every athlete will go through? And if it is, how can I approach it in a different perspective that allows my athlete to have a little bit more success or just be more ready or, or increase their performance based off of what it is I went through? Yeah, and, and I'm sure your athletes are better for it. I mean, I seriously, hope so. because <laughs> we all hope so, right? Yep. <laughs> Every aspect, but no, I, I mean, seriously, because that that to me is always going to be the biggest piece. Is in, in, I mean, you did bring up the kind of the buzzword of mental toughness. You know, uh, what, what truly is mental toughness? Well, to me, mental toughness. My definition is unwavering in all situations, right? You know, so it, it doesn't mean necessarily you're ready to run the A gap and immediately mm-hmm. crush somebody, right? But yeah. it does it does mean that you're able to take this kind of calm and, and stoic behavior and, and apply it to each aspect of wherever you see your sport. So exactly. uh, again, I'm sure your athletes really appreciate that and they've improved Absolutely. from that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so can you talk to me a little bit about your transition, you know, working from that collegiate space, going into the private sector? What was that like? What were the major differences you noticed? And then what were some benefits, some things you liked, didn't like? Um, I, first and foremost, I love the collegiate side. Um, you know, I think for me as a strength coach and where, you know, I've kind of developed um, as a strength coach, the, the sports science side has been probably something that I've really kind of dove into that is – become one of the more fun projects um, that I, I enjoy doing. Um, I don't get to do it a whole lot when it comes to the private sector. Um, with the private sector, it's hard to get commitment. So I don't get athletes, you know, as if I were in a, a collegiate side where, you know, they're, they're a little bit more consistent. Um, I still have the time to do it with our professional athletes in our college. Um, but our high school athletes, um, we, we take a very different approach um, with that. And that was kind of one of the biggest – um, differences, you know, going from the collegiate side where I get to see my athletes three, four times in a, in a week, um, of being able to kind of understand, okay, I've got four months with the athlete. How do I, you know, uh, map out their programming, you know, to, to make sure that they're at their highest, you know, performance come, um, season where the, the, the high school realm or, you know, the, the youth level, it's so much more GPP, um, mm. You know, which is awesome. I, I, I love being able to, you know, work with, you know, our, our adolescent athletes. And but it's, you know, terminology is different. Structure is different. That was a big jump for me of saying, OK, you know, especially on like a terminology cue side of I can have a full conversation with the 18 to 22 year old athlete and and say things that, hey, you know, I, I need you to do this and they'll pick it up like that. You know, but you talk to a 10 year old athlete and you tell them to squat there. Well, I don't know what that is. Um, so I think, you know, it's really kind of opened up, you know, my ability to communicate with, you know, the eight year old, the 15 year old, the, the 18 year old, and then the Olympic athlete. Um, and I think that that definitely has made me be more clear on, on what it is and the objective that I want. Um, when I get to, to, you know, work with our, our higher end athletes, um, because I have to be so specific when it comes to our eight to 15 year olds, our eight to 18 year olds of, you know, what the actual objective and outcome is. Um, you know, I, I think when it comes to the private sector, I think the best thing I love about it is the stability. I think we all kind of do. Um, <laughs> yeah. The collegiate side, I know even the, the, the Northern staff that I was with, I think they bounced around from um, Northern. I know they went to Minnesota with uh, PJ Fleck at some point. They, uh, Went out to Buffalo. I think again they're at New Mexico. Um, you know, for me being a homebody, like that's highly important for me. Um, you know, I, I think that for me, the difference between the collegiate side and the private side is is one of the biggest benefits, um, and something that you know I, I hope that one day we all can kind of work on as a as a profession and a community um, to make the the job market a little bit more st uh, stable uh, when it comes to you know different colleges and everything. Um, I think the downside, and, and again, I'll say I'm super, super fortunate of um, being able to work with our college and professional athletes, that, that 8 to 18-year-old is more um, general physical preparedness, um, you know, getting them to understand how the body moves, opening up, you know, different doors on a, on a neurological side. Um, so the programming becomes a lot less, but your on floor has to be a lot more in my opinion. Um, you know, where, you know, you have to understand how, you know, how to keep the, the, the games or what, whatever we're doing fun. Um, you have to make sure that, you know, that they stay involved. They stay, you have to make sure that you understand that, you know, what the cues that work for the 10 year old probably doesn't work for the 15 year old, you know, and how to have those conversations and that, you know, quote unquote buy-in um, because we are different, you know, it's, you know, there's a thousand different facilities around here. We're probably one of the few that, you know, take the perspective that we do, which isn't mental toughness, yell, 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 and, you know, run them till they throw up. We have to have that communication of, hey, we want this maximal effort. We want this to be, you know, something that you can hit, you know, that's not just over and over and over. Um, so opening those doors of communication, that was something that I wasn't good at when I first was a strength coach when I first got here. Um, you know, I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew that, you know, 
okay, for every 10 yards, they need a, a, a one minute break, but I didn't have the confidence something. And specifically for me personally, I didn't have communication skills um, to elaborate my opinions, my thoughts. And so I would lean on just, okay, the parent wants me to, to ruin their kid or make them throw up. So I was that guy. I was that, you know, yeller. I was that mental toughness guy. Um, but as I started to be, do a better job communicating and having to communicate with so many parents, so many athletes, um, I started to be able to understand, okay, the better relationship I have with these parents and these athletes, the better I am going to be at, you know, my job and the more freedom I'm going to have. And I don't necessarily think, you know, and again, I say this with purely just me personally, I don't necessarily know if I would have had that same growth in the collegiate side. Um, because they understood what I wanted. And it was like, okay, if you don't want to do it, get out. You know, where yeah. the private side, if I don't want to, if they don't do what I want to do, I'm not getting a paycheck. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and again, I, obviously I simplify that, but I, I think for me personally, the growth that I had to have communicating um, had to be so substantial because, you know, it just, it wouldn't make sense to a parent if I used, you know, two, three, four syllable words, or, you know, I talk about neuroplasticity and I don't know what that means or a kid uh, for that matter. So it definitely <laughs> has helped me on that side. Um, but the downside is, like I said, I, I don't, I don't think challenging wise, I get to, to be the programmer that I, I highly enjoy doing. Um, like I said, I, I, I'm so grateful that our professional athletes, um, do come, continue to come back through our doors. So I, I get that ability to, you know, get that fix. Um, but man, it's so cool as the, the sports science side is opening up, um, to, to start going down those rabbit holes. Um, started going back into Python. I'm starting to, you know, I'll do all that stuff. Just, I don't know when I'll need it, but man, it's fun. And being able to, to, useful, to useful. <laughs> bounce back and forth between that. So it is cool. It's, it, I mean, it's definitely a different, you know, perspective. Um, I love the fact that I get to, to work with athletes. You know, I love the fact that our athletes are 25, 26 and they'll come back, you know, and, and come say hi, tell us how they're doing, you know, as professionals. Um, but you know, the, the, my ability to program and everything, I think could easily be a little bit more stagnant. Um, if I didn't have the challenges of our college and our professional athletes, because, you know, I think that youth level, it's, like my wife said, body, whole, human body only moves a certain amount of times and in a certain amount of ways. And, you know, it it's, it's keeps it general. Um, but it, we also allows us to open up the doors and have a little bit more fun with the kids. Yeah. Wow. Hey, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things I think I take for granted working on the collegiate side that I think about now, you know, and the, I think one of the things that you did talk about though, that is so important to me and where I've been fortunate to have interns is, or sorry, uh, mentors. And then, you know, hopefully spread the message to the interns as well. Um, it, it is that mental toughness piece. Like you talk about that aspect of, you know, collegiate sports, they're locked in for four years. You know, I mean, unless they're really a high level athlete or the transfer portal, yeah. they're going to be with you for four years, you know, mm -hmm. so every coach takes that approach. And so, you know, it is very easy to fall into the trap of, well, we're just going to do it my way, you know, or we're like, you know, like, I don't really care if you don't want to do it. Like, this is what it's going to be, you know, yeah. and, and there's times where I pull that card because I know that there's certain things that are really essential and I do have the card, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, <laughs> but, but I think that as I've experienced more strength and conditioning, the more I've realized, okay, too, like. I, that card may work in the moment, but it ultimately hurts the relationship underneath. You know, if we've got our best player and he repeatedly wants to come, comes in and says, Hey, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And I keep saying, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Ultimately it chips away at his belief and his love in the weight room. And it's, it's unfortunate because you can't foster that relationship and foster that love for the weight room. That's ultimately something that's really going to help him get to that next level. Yeah. And, and, you know, at the pro level too, and you work with pros, you know how this is. If you don't take care of that, you're going to get cut. <laughs> you know, yeah, like it's exactly. as simple yeah. as that. So how am I helping this person in the moment? You know, besides, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you can't find them in college, you know, and ah, so you basically yeah. just yell and say, you can't do this, uh, you know, but it also kind of affects relationships as the new freshmen come in too, you know, because then it's like, okay, well, uh, it, people are probably going to listen to the best player. If the best player yeah. says, well, you know what? I, I don't really like Connor. He's a bad strength coach. Don't listen to him. Mm -hmm. Automatically they're coming in. Like, I'm not going to listen to what this guy's saying. So, you know, I, I bring all this and I say all this because 
what you're saying about, you know, necessarily the programming side, you don't get to do as much fun stuff, but the relationship development side and the art of coaching side, you get to do a lot more and you've developed a lot more and it's helped you on the private sector side. To me, that's the more valuable side ultimately, yeah. because like yeah. we said, every program works, you know, it's all about how you implement it. So can you develop that love? Can you develop that relationship? And can you f find them, you know, coming in the weight room and enjoying the process of getting better, you know? Uh -huh. So ultimately my hat's off to you because I think that's the bigger piece of it. And I think that's uh -huh. what you get the most out of for sure. And like what, what you just said, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, as a collegiate side, you always have that card, right? You can always play that, you know, Hey, it's, it's my way or get out. And I mean, exactly what you just said. I think that, you know, is one of the more important things that I really think is, is, you know, when you look at, and I think I, I have the benefit of being on both sides of the kind of the old school coaching mentality where it's a little bit more authoritarianism, where you get to say, okay, it's my way or the highway um, to, you know, a newer age where we understand that you have to build relationships to build trust. So, you know, and, and you said it perfectly about, you know, you will always have a card that says, you know what, at the end of the day, if you ever want to touch that field, you do it my way. But you also just said it perfectly. If you want to build that trust in that long-term relationship, and I think, you know, when we're looking at, you know, creating a buy-in or creating, you know, that athlete wanting to be in the weight room, wanting to be successful in the weight room, you, they have to understand where you're coming from. Um, you know, so having that door of communication saying, hey, this moment, I need you to do what I need. You know, I need you to do that. But also giving them the autonomy to have some freedom. You know, I, I think that's something that's so important of, you know, we've got athletes that absolutely love to hang clean and I'm not the biggest hang clean fan. It's to me, I, I, I personally, I'd want to just do a jump or a throw, but I'm not going to stop that athlete to say, okay, you know what? It's only me. You can only jump or throw here. You want cleans. Cool. Let's, let's bring in cleans. Um, so having that balance of, you know, building the trust in the athlete and those athletes that when I say, okay, cool, you want to clean, let's do it tend to really be your biggest fans because you're willing to, you know, work with them and, and almost have that collaboration of this isn't your program. This isn't my program. This is our program. And I think the instant that they realize that it's our program, that the success is related on or determined on both of what we bring to the table is that instant that you have that initial buy-in and they will do anything for you. Mm. You know, and that's, that's so interesting too, because, I feel like on the on the collegiate side and on the uh, working in college athletics, like I feel like I can't really ultimately give over that ownership of it's our program, you know, because I do have this fear and this is, you know, this is a personal growth moment. You know, this is I do have this fear of like, OK, if I do make it clear that it's our program, then I've kind of lost a little bit of that trump card like we talked about, you know, yeah. or a little bit of that, you know, like, hey, well, ultimately, I'm the coach. So whatever I say goes, you know, um, yeah. and, and it's a scary situation to put yourself in. But ultimately, if it's done with the right people and done in the right way, I think it's going to be the most successful way to do it. And we'll always say and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I, I say where I got it from uh, uh, Scott Kuhn and, and Kira when I'm flat. But at the end of the day, daddy drives. At the end of the day, you, you might have a say of where, where I need to go, but at the end of the day, daddy's driving. Yep, and, yep. <laughs> you know, and I'll, I'll still pull that card. You know, hey, I, I want to do that. At the end of the day, daddy's driving. And, and yep. those ultimate decisions come for me. I'll, you can tell me all you want, what it is you, you want to do and what you feel like you do. I'll make the decision of, you know, whether, you know, it matters or not. But at the end of the day, yeah, I, I, I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> I'm going to have to steal that for the future, for sure. Supposedly, okay. there's a shirt with, uh, and, and you probably have to reach out to him. I know Scotty was on the uh, a long time ago, but uh, there's a shirt somewhere running around with their faces that says, Daddy's driving. Um, somewhere <laughs> in the big leagues, I believe, um, that they have made the shirt like back I hope it's like caricature, like level size heads and like driving yeah. a small car. You <laughs> yeah, know, that'd exactly. be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have, to, I'll have to steal that for sure. Yeah. And so and one thing I am curious about too is, you know, in your day, I'm sure you have sessions where you go from an eight year old athlete to an 18 year old to a pro, you know, what does that look like in that transition? You know, it, it, it may seem seamless to you now, but you know, how did you kind of switch gears with each of those? I think, and, and we say it all the time, and, you know, and again, I go back to, you know, me growing up, I was always, you know, I'm a, I'm a very quiet person. Um, I'm a very reserved person. Um, 
you know, even me doing this, you know, this podcast would not have happened 10 years ago. I just, you know, me nervous would not have, you know, um, and I think the, the ability to wear multiple hats for me is one of the most tiring things that I do. Um, and my wife is the same way. And, you know, in, in my day during the summer, I go from collegiate athletes. So I'll train from seven o'clock to nine o'clock. I'll have my collegiate athletes. I'll go from nine o'clock to one o'clock with our um, general population, which is the eight to 18 um, athletes. And then one o'clock, I have my professional athletes. So I have to go from, you know, almost kind of not necessarily a hoorah guy, but I've got to be somebody that, you know, is probably a little bit more vocal than I personally like to be um, into a coach that has to be overly um, nice and accepting. Um, you know, to, to make sure that, you know, our athletes are still enjoying themselves, but they, you know, getting them to understand and listen is probably, and, and having the patience to work with those athletes is, is very difficult. If anybody has kids out there, I'm sure they fully understand, um, into, um, the professional realm where they ask a lot of whys they ask, you know, what am I doing this for? Put context to this. Um, so it's almost, you know, I go from, the meathead, you know, strength coach for the college athletes that spends more time on the program side on the, you know, for the nerdy and then boom, they just go, they just get to, you know, cut their brains off and just, and just go to the very, you know, passive relaxed type coach into, you know, someone that has to make sure that he is on point with the dosage, the volume, because of, you know, I, I don't see something with a professional athlete, you know, what if he comes in sore that day or I miss something and, you know, that guy's out millions of dollars. Um, so having the, the mental stability to, you know, have those multiple hats, I get home, I've got a three-year-old that, you know, me and her get to play, but that kind of helps me out because we just get to play with, you know, figurines and Spider-Man. So I get to kind of bring down my, my level of, you know, having to think, but at the end of the day that I think, my wife will get home and we kind of, we'll both kind of sit down and, and kind of say where we're at, you know, how our day was kind of like how most couples do, but we'll also kind of say mentally and that social battery where we're at. And if we're both fatigued, we just go put on a you know, dumb movie or a TV show. We don't talk, we have our dinner and we go to bed. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it's definitely something that I don't necessarily know if I'll ever kind of be okay with. You know, if, if someone were to ask me to, you know, go hang out, you know, or friends go hang out tonight, no way. I'm going straight to bed. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll catch you maybe on a Saturday or I'll see you in the fall when my time's a little, you know, not as, you know, chaotic with wearing those hats. But I, I definitely think as in the private side, that can get kind of the, the toughest. I've even had an athlete that, you know, um, he was just starting up. He's 10 years old, again, really reserved kid. And, you know, I was coaching, came in at nine o'clock, which was the end of our college where, you know, I was speaking vocally, you know, I had 15, 20 athletes at the time um, coaching through. So, you know, that quote unquote coach's voice um, was coming out and he was incredibly scared to come in and work with us because that's what he saw. He saw me being this, you know, yeller um, and, or, or somebody that's, you know, trying to make sure that he's, you know, handling the room to, to make sure that everything's going on the way I wanted it to. I mean, I asked the dad if, you know, it was okay if we just kind of talked for a little bit and, you know, getting him to, you know, feel more comfortable with me. Um, because if I hadn't, if I didn't have that time, there was a good chance that he would never come back. You know, he wouldn't mm. want to come back. He'd be afraid to come back. And now he's one of our favorite athletes. He comes in and tells us all the stories of, you know, he does Taekwondo and Jiu Jitsu. Um, and now he gets to, you know, so you see the kid that, you know, didn't want to talk or didn't even want to be with us to the kid that, you know, now is excited to tell us, you know, what he, you know, he did that prior day. So it definitely does get taxing. And, and there's absolutely been a lot of times where I, I gray those lines um, yeah. that I, you know, probably shouldn't have been as, you know, um, aggressive, so to speak, you know, going into the nine or 10 o'clock where I should have been, you know, take my step back or, or done something to kind of bring my, you know, parasympathetic levels down, um, so to speak, to, to just kind of calm down. But it's definitely probably one of the more challenging things we have to do. 
But I feel like that has to be what your accelerative course is, right? It, it, what has gotten you better as a coach and, and what has made you basically improve so much on that communication standpoint uh, because you have these different groups. You work with these different groups. You have to switch. You have no breaks. Immediately roll right into the next one and then make that quick switch. And then, you know, it, it's somebody like your 10-year-old, I, I have one of those 10-year-olds on my team right now, you know, like, mm-hmm. but they're 19 and working with them and understanding how to get them involved in that process and, uh, and, and, and loving the weight room and developing that relationship is it's all about switching those hats and even from second to second on the floor i may have to do it with one athlete where i can say hey that wasn't deep enough get lower like you said and the next one is like maybe just a little bit lower may work yeah. a little bit you know let's yeah. see <laughs> so yeah, exactly. i feel like that's your that's your perfect course right there yeah. so absolutely that's excellent all right the last question i have for you and this may not be well it's not going to be visible to people who are listening but i'm looking at it you have a million trophies behind you right now i <laughs> i have to ask about the trophies where are those from how did you get those so i don't i can we get we got i'm sure someone can oh my goodness <laughs> well, we, you were showing so, me the small side of the collection <laughs> so we coach a seven on seven uh club football team um called the awesome. west boom um so my older brother's the the head guy I work with um the uh the defensive side. Um so it is cool I get to you know I and we talk about you know the big differences of you know of you know the collegiate side of the the um private sector but then it also gets to to kind of go into the sports side um is I still get to work with athletes on a technical tactical side. Um so we 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 travel across the country. Um, you know, we're more of an all star team, so we, we select all, all around the, uh, the the Chicago land area. Um, but we do try to attack it as you know um, what a college would look like. So we get practice once a week, but um, that college that that practice is fully periodized out. Um, I get you know a chance to look at and talk to you know some of the other coaches of you know depending on how far out the. Um, tournament that we have you know is it going to be more of a high speed day is it going to be more of a density day is it going to be more of a realization day so i get that tactical periodization um part of you know that i get to go in and and specifically for me on like the skill acquisition side um you know it's something that i think i'm super interested in um both on a physical and neurological side of actually how the brain starts to take information you know what it is we do if actually has translation or not um, so I get to work with some of, you know, the nation's, you know, best players um, and get to almost kind of see, you know, okay, is what we did during practice actually have true carryover into what it is during the game? Are they actually understanding what it is? Um, and I also get to be a little bit more creative in the side of, you know, they all come from technical coaches. They all come from their sport coaches where I don't tr- try too much to work their like their technical side. I just try to get them to be exposed into certain situations that they're going to be put into a seven on seven or an 11 on 11 game. Um, so it's been a, a lot of fun. And I think we've, you know, it's, it's really gotten to a point where, you know, we get to have that ability to um, play around with drill sets, play around with just different drill selection of, you know, Hey, this tournament, our, our players had trouble doing this. Okay. How are we actually going to build up for the next four weeks? Um, you know, different drill sets that, you know, will actually have carryover to fix whatever that issue is. Um, so it, it, it's awesome in the fact that I still get to be in the game that I love, um, but I still get to be that, you know, um, that high performance kind of ability to, to really adjust the model um, and what practice looks like and practice structure looks like based off of the needs that, you know, we need to accomplish, um, you know, within whatever tournament that we're going to. Wow. And so it definitely scratches the sports scientist itch. Yeah. But it looks like a lot of fun. You said it was fun. It looks like a lot of fun with all those trophies back there. I'd be, I mean, I, I would like sleep with those. I would take every <laughs> morning selfie with those, everything. <laughs> it's a blast. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it can be done right or wrong. Um, you know, and, and it, it's cool from our perspective of, you know, what we display on a social media side to what it is actually who we are. Um, My older brother is, you know, for those viewers that end up typing it in, you'll you'll see, you know, we're, we're very um, outrageous. We we talk a lot. My brother (laughs) wanted to be a professional wrestler. That was what he wanted to do beyond football or in in place of football. Um, So we get to wear a different hat of different personalities 
Um, but then we still get that itch of being on nerdier side where, you know, when we're at practice, you know, everything is structured out as exactly as we would want it to be, you know, at a collegiate side. Um, we get to hold meetings. We get to have all that stuff. So it's, it's cool because it grows, in my opinion, it grows with the athlete as far as, you know, the, the athletes love the social media side. They love that side. And so we can be, you know, old man yelling at clouds and saying, you know, no, you can't do this. You're, you know, you're total line, all this stuff. Or, you know, we give them the freedom to have some fun, enjoy themselves, put a smile on their face, but also bring them down to what our standards are of, you know, you're showing up to practice. You know, this is how we run a practice. This is, you know, when you go to a college, it's going to be exactly set up in a way that, you know, promotes performance and, and promotes, you know, them getting prepared for it. So it's, it's, it's fun to try to have that balance. And every year we talk about, man, I'm, am I too old for this? Am I, am, am I, are these kids, you know, am I so far gone that, you know, I'm that old man yelling at clouds now, or, you know, do we find that balance of, you know, what our standards are and what our preferences are? So, um, and I think, you know, with the, the showing of all the, the trophies, I think we, we have a good balance, um, whether or not, you know, uh, people agree or, or disagree, but, you know, the kids are fun. They enjoy it. They, uh, that we get to give back to again the, the sport that we love and that we feel has given us so much. I think that stuff is so important, though. I mean, like especially in a seven-on-seven situation where it, you know it doesn't necessarily directly affect recruiting, right? Yeah. I mean, that may be somewhere you can get looks, but like you know, the whole thing, the whole reason I love strength and conditioning is because it is fun. Like, yeah. you know, we do the stupid stuff like, we'll, yeah. you know, like uh, the interns come in like, you know, like, let's do 10 by 10 today. Why not? Yeah. You know, like, and it's just like, think, like you talk about your own programs, like it's about having fun, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what fosters a love for it. So I, I, I love the take that you guys have on it. And next time I'm in Chicago, if you ever need a hype man, I'll come out My there. Man. I'll be loud. You know, I, 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 I do a pretty good uh, Ric Flair impression. I'll, I'll do it for you later. <laughs> My but, man, I love it. I <laughs> love it. From there. <laughs> awesome well mike thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate it man it was a fantastic episode absolutely man i greatly appreciate it it was a lot of fun oh my goodness well uh if anybody wants to reach you what uh social medias can they find you at oh good lord um i, I put you on the spot sorry yeah let me luckily i've got <laughs> multiple computers over here that i can look up it's the first quick. time i've asked that question too i don't know why it just <laughs> let me, popped out but uh instagram I think it's something Coach Nicholas. I think my Twitter is Coach Nicholas Eleven, um, okay. and I believe uh, my Instagram is Nicholas Eleven. Easier if anyone has any questions or anything like that. Mike at accelerationpro dot com. That's Perfect. probably the easiest way. <laughs> Fantastic, awesome. Well, thank you, Mike. Absolutely.